Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Across the country, the predicted Republican red wave was more of a swell. Here in Illinois, the Democratic tide seemed to come in. And are we really already in the middle of the race for Chicago mayor? This was quite a political week, and we've got top-notch political analysts here to help sort things out. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. We are getting the band back together, just as we did after the primary elections. We're going to look at what did and didn't happen in the midterms and what's ahead for Democrats and Republicans here in Illinois. Joining me via Zoom conferencing are WBBM political analyst Andy Shaw, who was a longtime political reporter for ABC7, then head of the Better Government Association. And we're also joined by Heather Sharon, the always great and insightful political reporter for Channel 11, WTTW Public Television. And I thank both of you for uh, for joining us Um Midterm elections are usually bad news for the party in the White House nationally. That would be the Democrats. And the predictions amid inflation and recession fears and social tensions were pretty dour. So, uh, Heather Sharon, did the prognosticators just get it wrong or did the players get it wrong, the political leaders? I say both got them wrong. And I think for two very different reasons, though. Um, I think you're right. Typically, a midterm election is bad news for the party in power, which meant that the Democrats had to essentially defy gravity to hang on to their majorities in the United States House and in the Senate and in races for state houses across the country. And I think there were a couple of things that made 22, 2022 
a very unusual year. One, um, I think that a lot of analysts and pundits underestimated the impact that the uh, Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade was going to have on um, the number of women who turned out to vote for Democrats. And I think that there was a lack of understanding at just how worried people are about the fate of American democracy. And I think those two issues combined to really energize Democratic voters who do not have a history of turning out during midterm elections like this one. And that really changed the political calculus. Now, it's not to say that you know, I think that, you know, people were sort of making stuff up as they go along, but I think there was a concerted effort among Republicans to put out polls that showed their candidates leading. And I think that most reporters and most pundits get really nervous when they see a whole bunch of polls saying the same thing. And I think that prompted a lot of people to really sort of rely less on facts and more on vibes. And I think that that was a disservice to a lot of voters and a lot of news consumers. And I think there are a lot of lessons to be learned, not only for politicians after this election, but also journalists. It's hard to build on what Heather said, because she is so good right now. My goodness, <laughs> I have to become a bigger fan of Channel 11. She's got it. She's got it down. I'm, I'm just going to add two quick things. A lot of younger voters have moved into the election picture. And it turns out for a lot of reasons, whether it's choice or the cost of college or the rights of transgenders and others, these young people tend to skew a bit more liberal. And I think they feel a little more comfortable with democratic values. And I think as they increased in volume at the electorate, they help Democrats. And the second thing is, I think the Republicans, as they did here in Illinois, skewed too far right with a lot of their candidates. There were an awful lot of election deniers and Trumpies and uh, anti-vaxxers and folks on the ballot around the country uh, who didn't really sync up well with moderate and independent voters. And I think they were not attractive candidates. You can argue that you know, Darren Bailey fit that mold to some extent in Illinois, and he did. But I think that was a problem for Republicans around the country. They gave Democratic moderates and incumbents a little more room to play by being objectionable on some of those issues. Hmm. And I want to take it down a, a, a level to uh, what happened here in Illinois, because after all of the, uh, uh, you know, the talk about we, we expected Illinois to be blue, but we didn't, I don't think, expect it to be as blue as it got going into this election. One big story was the future of the Illinois Supreme Court was hanging in the balance and millions were being spent on uh, two races, the uh, Thomas Kilbride vacancy and the Bob Thomas vacancy. And people were worried, uh, thinking the court could flip over to the Republican side. Now it appears that the Democrats have gained a seat. Uh, Andy, what, what happened? Is it is this all Roe v. Wade driving uh, driving things? Well, in one of the races, I think it was Mark Curran it turns out to be, again, too conservative for a lot of moderates and independents. And his stance on choice turned off a lot of people who at least thought that women should have the right to go in whatever direction they wanted to. I think, again, it was the wrong candidates in some cases 
The other race was much tighter, but in both cases, you had Republicans who were probably a little out of step with the moderate tone of Illinois' Republican Party. We talked about that before. Two things happened with the entire ticket that Heather can build on if she wants. In one case, there were all well-known incumbent Democrats, most of whom were decently regarded by the electorate. None of them were caught up in the scandals that involved Mike Madigan and a lot of the other Democrats um, in Springfield and Chicago. So none of them were tarred with that brush of corruption. They had all done decent jobs, Mendoza and Freyricks and Pritzker and legislators. So in that sense, you were asking people to vote for the new guy on the block or the new gal on the block when you had a decent incumbent already in power. And the second thing, we talked about that election night, Craig, the Republican Party has been in the wilderness ever since George Ryan and 75 of his colleagues went down in the Operation Safe Road investigation of licenses for bribes. That decimated the fundraising and the infrastructure of the entire Republican Party, and they have been suffering ever since, with the exception of a couple races where you had Rauner with an enormous amount of money to win a race against a, a damaged Pat Quinn because he'd been Blagojevich's running mate. Other than that, in a couple of anomalies, the Republicans haven't had any strong candidates to run against stronger Democratic uh, incumbents. And I will say for the party, for Don Harmon and Welch, they have done a great job of picking up where Madigan left off in funding and messaging Democrats. And that's why they picked up four additional House seats. They may have lost a Senate seat or two, but kept the Senate supermajority and won every single significant race from the statewide to the Cook County to the Supreme Court races. There wasn't a single Republican who really put up much of a, of a battle when, when we counted all the votes. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think one of the stories that I know Craig and I will be following is sort of the, the what is the future of the Illinois um, Republican Party? And at this point, I'm not clear what it is because most of the statewide Republican candidates ended up or will end up somewhere between 40% of the vote and 45% of the vote. You cannot win elections if your ceiling is 45% of the vote in a state. So they have to do something to appeal to more voters because the people who voted for Darren Bailey are just not a majority in Illinois. And if they follow sort of his very pro-Trump, very conservative, anti-gay, um, pro-Christian uh, sort of uh, platform, the, the party is going to be in, a in the wilderness for a really long time. And you but know what? The, the, the South of I-80 is very few votes. So Bailey wins probably 90 of 102 counties, big deal. That's like no votes, that's farm country. And unless every cow and horse and pig is allowed to vote, and this is Illinois where that could happen, but probably won't, <laughs> uh, they're gonna have a hard time because if you looked at the map, Pritzker et al swept not just Cook, but the collars. The collars have all skewed democratic. And if you don't win, if you don't get the, the collars back in your column, at least to some extent, you're going to be in the wilderness, you know, longer than the Israelites. And they need a Joshua to pull them out. And I'm not sure where that's going to come from, because 
The current party hierarchy doesn't seem to get it. Jimmy Durkin is stepping down as House Minority Leader. He did a great job, but he was too moderate for the party. And now he's leaving. The party has to really, they need a, they need a three-day retreat to look at what Illinois is on paper and in reality. And how do you start recruiting moderate candidates in the Jim Thompson, Jim Edgar, George Ryan political mold to basically start to win back those collars? Without them, you're toast. Well, now, let me, I, I want to raise that issue, though, because they thought, I would suggest, they thought that's what they were doing with Richard Irvin, the uh, the mayor of Aurora, when they were trying to get a candidate for governor. And, and Richard Irvin was that moderate, that an African-American Republican uh, who they thought was going to be that candidate. And yes, he had his own problems, but I think the the other problem is that the party, again, was starting to tack more and more to the right and that th those are the people who were drawing in. And when I see a Jim Durkin saying, I'm out, and he's not giving up, I'm told he's not giving up his, uh, his representative seat, he's just giving up the leadership role, this, is, this seems to be a surrender to the right. And I, and I mean, I'm wondering if that's not what we're witnessing. Well, here's the issue. The Republican candidates that do not, you know, sort of toe the Trump line cannot make it out of the primary. At least in Illinois, those candidates, because of those same positions that won them the, the primary and the nominations, cannot win a general election. So both of those things cannot be true if Republicans want to win statewide offices. And, and I think it's really well, important that we remember that in this sort of midterm year where it was supposed to be tough for Democrats all over, not only did the, the Democrats maintain their supermajorities in the House and the Senate, they expanded those supermajorities in the House and the Senate, which is like going from maximum political power to extra maximum political power. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, should be ringing alarm bells across the Republican Party. But this is the issue. Are they hearing those alarm bells or are they sort of only talking to other Republicans who agree with them? Are they only watching Fox News? Are they sort of not listening to other people and understanding sort of what this election is telling everybody? I'm not sure that they are. But until then, Illinois is going to be a very, very blue state. And look at the other piece here, Heather and Craig. The Democrats did something this time around that they've never done to this extent. And JB, of course, led the charge because he's got so much money. But he and the Democratic Governors Association put $30 million into that primary to trash Irvin and build up Bailey because they were sure that Bailey would be easier to beat than a moderate like Irvin. This happened around the country. This is a new tool in the Democratic quiver. And it turned out to be very successful. And the Republicans better pay attention to this one, too, because when you can meddle in the other party's primary and help elect the person you want to run against, that makes it that much harder to win the general. It's hard enough, like you said, because primaries tend to be favor the extreme part of the party because that's who comes out and votes. The moderates stay home. But in this case, it's not just 
the extremists coming out. It's at the other party, the Democrats, JB and the Democratic Governors Association made it easier to for Irvin to lose and Bailey to win. And that set up Bailey as a relatively eager, easy target for J.B. Pritzker. And they did that in a lot of states. That was a questionable tactic from a... Right. Remember, we were talking about that tactic in in the primary. I'm not sure it's I'm not sure it's kosher, but it sure worked. And in politics, you know, there's really no rules other than what's illegal and that's perfectly legal and so that's another thing for the republicans to pay attention to as long as jb and his deep deep pockets are in charge in illinois and i think we also have to look at what's happening i just want to bring it up the county board level because if there's any other more troubling signs one uh, Sean Morrison in, on the Cook County Board will remain the only Republican member of the Cook County Board. But if that's not the worst thing that happened to Republicans in this uh, cycle, look out to DuPage County. DuPage County has been, first off, it had its first hassle of Democratic uh, members uh, in the last cycle. Well, now... Uh, Deb Conroy will not only become the first woman to chair the DuPage County Board, but she will become the first Democrat to chair the DuPage County Board in who knows how long. Uh, And this is not only not your father's uh, DuPage County, this is not your grandfather's DuPage County. The county has been more diverse economically, more diverse politically, and Republicans are now not the majority on the county board, and they haven't been for uh, for like four years. This is a, a real challenge for Republicans across Illinois. And you look yeah, back I'm... to the days. You look back to the days when you and I covered this back in the days of Pate Phillip and Lee Daniel. That was so solidly red that the Democrats had to basically sneak to the polls. And yeah, now, like you say, it's changed. As has Will and. And, and Lake, and the, these counties have shifted dramatically. I know Heather was going to weigh yeah. in there. I'm sorry yeah. if I interrupted you, Heather. Oh, no. I was just going to say that I don't think we have a final determination in the ninth district of the Cook County Board race where the Republican and the Democrat are really, really close. So it's possible that, you know, there will be still two Republicans on that um, board. But there's, the, you know, at that point, it sort of doesn't matter because like those supermajorities, Tony Preckwinkle has that supermajority on the Cook County board and they will, you know, move in lockstep because they are all allies and they are united where we've just spent, you know, a significant amount of time talking about how fractured the, the Republican Party really is. Yeah, and in fact, uh, a number of votes on the on the uh, Cook County Board have been unanimous. So uh, Tony Preckwinkle isn't exactly anathema to the uh, to the Republicans on the board either. Uh, you're listening to WBBM News Radio's at issue. I'm Craig Delamore. We're talking about the midterm and statewide elections and what happens now. And my guests are WBBM political analyst Andy Shaw and Heather Sharon, political reporter for WTTW Channel 11. Well, let's talk a little bit about the governor's race, not just how they performed in the primary. Uh, you know, people leaving the states and then the, the and uh, the cent. Although I think the census numbers have downplayed that scenario of about, about how many people have been fleeing Illinois. Um, 
But uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker said the truth is Illinois is in pretty good shape and voters seem to believe him. Uh, how 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 well did he do in your your estimation, Heather? Well, he did very well. Um, you know, it, it was not a mistake that the um, AP called the, the gubernatorial race at 7.01 p.m. I think it certainly caught me off guard. It caught my newsroom off guard. And I don't think anybody really expected that that race would be decided so quickly. Now, certainly there were other you know, races that went on and are still going on. But I think that was a real show of strength again in an election year where, you know, Governor Pritzker was supposed to be on the defensive. And, you know, everybody's been writing about how, you know, what a mistake it was for him to sign the Criminal Justice Reform Act and how he was vulnerable on all of those issues, including the end of cash bail. And I have to say, for all the ink, digital and otherwise, that was spilled on those stories, there was no evidence that a single Democrat paid any sort of political price for, for signing on to that legislation, which is, of course, designed to make the criminal justice system more fair and less systematically racist. And I think if, you know, this isn't a media criticism show, and I certainly am not a media critic. I can't be a critic of a profession that I'm a member of. Sure but you I can. <laughs> but I <laughs> we think all can and should, should be, actually. Yeah, we, we all should sort of think very deeply about the time and the energy that we spent reporting that story and think about whether... That, that criticism from the Republicans was accurate, was meant honestly, or if it exacerbated racial tensions in Chicago and Illinois, which I think is a, a very, very serious issue right now. And, and I got to say that all of the Republican talking points seem to fall flat uh, in Chicago, Cook and the Collars. The idea of this crime wave, Chicago is a hellhole, I think most of the people who live in Chicago recognize the crime problem. I live here. It's serious and it's troubling, but I don't think they felt that J.B. Pritzker was responsible for this. Cash bail, the, the new law hasn't even taken effect yet, so I think it's a little wonky for most people. There's a tax issue, and yet I saw a poll. I think I saw a tax report in the last couple of days that indicated Illinois is not in that bad shape. Yes, we've lost some of these corporate headquarters, but we're picking up others that come into Chicago. And so I think when you look down the line, um, taxes, it's not that bad. Crime, overblown, perhaps by those of us in and previously in the media. And I think in a lot of ways, the people in Chicago, Cook and the Collars, felt that JB was doing as well as possible he has balanced the budget, had a lot of help from federal bailout money, had a lot of credit upgrades. That money helped there, too. Um, has actually done a few things. I mean, help, help for education, help for health care, fighting for women's rights. And, you know, he, he bragged about the cannabis uh, legalization. So we Craig and I thought in the studio on Tuesday night, we should have said he should have bragged about the high voter turnout. <laughs> after the campus bill, but nobody ever went there. I'm just saying that JB had three or four talking points that were general and sufficient, and the criticisms just weren't enough to resonate in the Chicago area and the collars. I mean, Darren Bailey's stuff played well in farm and Christian right country, but hardly well north of I-80, and that's, that's just not going to make it. 
Yeah, and you know, I'm wondering also if, if people didn't remember the debate on even the crime stuff, the uh, the the bail. That debate was joined uh, by Republicans before this cycle. Uh, any number, I, I remember doing an ad issue early on, and I had somebody from the group Right on Crime, a Republican organization, and someone from the No Bail, and they literally agreed with each other for most of the uh, for most of the program. Uh, because it makes sense that you just don't keep people in jail for minor crimes. So and may I just add one quick thing on the JB front um, going forward. I think I said this election night, Craig, my one disappointment as a good government reformer in my second iteration and now chairing a board at Change Illinois is that there are a lot of good government reform issues that I hope JB pays a little attention to in his second term, like better ethics reform, redistricting reform, getting rid of some of those excessive units of government. We have the most of any state in the country and those kinds of things, uh, we need tax reform of some sort. And so free from the shackles of a first term, you know, re-election uh, issue, he now is free to roam a little more aggressively and whether or not Biden runs again and opens up the door to JB in that front, I just hope he basically lives up to some of the reform credentials he had before he became a politician entrenched in democratic circles, because I think he has really good reform instincts, which he could not act on in the last term. And I'd love to see him do some of that stuff in term two. <laughs> Heather, you, you, you were laughing. Yeah, I just, I think that JB is really trying to have it both ways right now, right? Because if you listen to his um, election night speech, I personally said, oh man, that's an audition to be president of the United States of America. And he clearly, clearly was auditioning for the role of understudy to President Joe Biden. And um, he hit all of his marks, right? He was a happy warrior, happy to take on the forces of darkness and evil imperiling our democracy, and that he relished the chance to defend women's reproductive rights and relish the chance to push back against anti-Semitism. And then the next morning, he held a news conference where he was just aghast and shocked and appalled. And how could we reporters be asking him about his plans to run for president when clearly he is perfectly focused on um, his work in a second term as governor of Illinois? He cannot have it both ways. I understand he wants to have it both ways. I too often want to have it both ways on things. And but alas, cannot. So um, that is going to be a very delicate line. He is going to have to walk until the president announces for re-election, which I firmly expect him to. And until then, he is going to have to be, make sure that the people of Illinois um, think he's focused on his day job and not continuing that audition process. I don't want to not be able to talk about the other announcement we did get this week. Okay. And we only have a couple of minutes to do it very quickly. Uh, Congressman Jesus Chuy Garcia uh, jumps into the race for Chicago mayor because we can't have any day when we're not having some major campaign underway. Uh, and uh, he he's the one who forced Rahm Emanuel into a runoff, but lost still. 
he looks like the strongest uh, candidate against a well-funded Lori Lightfoot, or am I not looking far enough? Well, I, I think what you're seeing correctly is a field of unknowns. And even Brandon Johnson, who has these labor endorsements from SEIU and the teachers union is unknown by 99 and 9 tenths percent of the people in Chicago. Now the unions can help fund his, uh, his awakening and people will get to know him, but Chewy is a, is a known quantity. He's a known commodity. He starts with the potential to, to rally a lot of progressives who liked him last time and the Latinos, which of course is a growing block here. And as you watch what, seven or eight African-American candidates carving up the African-American vote, including the mayor, this is gonna be decided in the Latino and the white communities. And so who do you have pushing for the white vote now? That's mostly Vallis at this point. And also it's a freebie for Chewy. He was reelected and so he keeps his day job even if he loses. I wonder if he's Heather, if he's if he's going to attract the not just the support, but the money he needs. Yeah, I think that's the big question. And, you know, Andy is right that in past years, the race in Chicago mayor has really been determined along racial and ethnic lines. There has been a black candidate. There's been a white candidate. There's been a Latino candidate. I don't know that that's going to hold this year because right now is a very ideological time in Chicago. And right now you have Brandon Johnson with the support of CTU, the teachers union and SEIU local 73. Those two unions made up the bulk of volunteers and contributors to Chewy Garcia's 2015 run for mayor. They're already behind Brandon. And I cannot emphasize enough how much anger there is among those group at Chewy Garcia for launching this bid uh, after a year after they've been working to unite behind one candidate to take out Lori Lightfoot, who they see as a, sort of a progressive in sheep's clothing, somebody who talks a progressive game, but has governed as a, a centrist and a neoliberal. And the fact that Chewy does not have those group support, but got into the race anyway, I think has caused a great deal of anger. So I think right now we're going to see a battle for the progressive vote in Chicago. Is that progressive no vote going to fracture and then allow somebody else to get into a runoff? Very possible. And we will be watching all of that for you. Uh, but uh, I would now like to thank Heather Sharon, political reporter for WTTW Channel 11 and political analyst Andy Shaw for spending the time with us to our listeners. If you'd like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website, that's WBBMNewsRadio.com. There's a link on the homepage. You can also find our podcast on Odyssey.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of that issue. Won't be as much fun as this, I think. Uh, and I hope you will be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, 105.9 WBBM. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.